0: were good man god commanded them to gather he commanded them to build a tabernacle he commanded them to you know do all these different things and they were obedient man they were doing good and then we see that the time came now where after about 11 months of them being in the wilderness god said all right it's time to to move the camp all right so the first time they ever journey out and uh we begin that they start we see that they begin to complain against the lord for various reasons one they complain against leader uh their leadership which is moses and then they begin to complain about their food and God's provision. They say, man, we're going to die out here. All we have to eat is manna and God, has, God hasn't given us meat. We want meat. And one thing that they were saying is that, man, we remember the fish that we ate in Egypt. Right? So they started remembering the, the, the food that they had in the past. Right? The good things about Egypt. But yet they forgot, man, we were slaves. We were forced to work, you know, harshly. We had these harsh slave masters over us. But in the moment, all they could remember was the food. Right? And so we see that they gave into their carnal desires and as a result, man, a bunch of them died that day. And uh, Moses named the place of that the name the place of that of, of their death, uh, the the tombs of their cravings, right? Because that's where thousands of them died because of their carnal cravings. And we get into chapter thirteen now, where man, the nation of Israel is going to be at the very border of the promised land. God's been telling them, right? I brought you out of Egypt for a reason. That is to bring you into a promised land. They weren't meant to wander in the wilderness for forty years, right? God took them out of Egypt for a purpose, just like God takes us out of the world. For a purpose, right? And that has to bring us into a deeper relationship with Him. And so the nation of Israel, they're at the border of the promise land now. They're about to inherit the land that God has promised them. This is the day that they've been waiting for for a long time. One, since they were in Egypt, but also since the promise was given to Abraham. Because God made the promise to Abraham telling him, Look, this land of Canaan, I'm going to give to you and to your descendants. So this is the promise that the nation of Israel has been waiting for for a long time. And finally, it's that day. And so chapter 13 starts off by saying, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. And he says, from each tribe of their fathers you shall send one man, everyone a leader from among them. And so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. And now these were their names. And he goes on to give them a list of names. But let's stop right there. So we see that as they get to the border of the promised land, the book of Numbers tells us that the Lord commanded Moses saying, all right, send, send in 12 spies, send in 12 guys to go scope out the land that they're going to inherit, right? And then uh, they chose a leader from every single one of the tribes. And we have the names of, the, of these leaders from every tribe beginning in verse four all the way up to uh, verse verse 16. So I'm not going to read through all the names, but I just want to point out a couple names, uh, a couple significant ones. And that's in verse five. It says, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat the son of Hori. Oh, from verse six is from the tribe of Judah. Caleb the son of Jephna. Now it's interesting because we see that that uh, from every tribe one leader sent out, right? And so Caleb is chosen as a representative of the tribe of Judah. And I say it's interesting because uh, Caleb is not even a national Israelite. He wasn't a native-born Israelite book of Deuteronomy. And then in Joshua tells us that, that, that uh, Caleb, the son of, Je- of Jephna, was actually called uh, the Kenizzite, meaning that he was of a different people group. Right? The Kenizzites uh, who were one of those nomadic tribes that used to wander the wilderness of Sinai back in this time. And so even in, in Abraham's day, the Kenizzites were actually a group that came from uh, the Edomites who were the descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. And so interesting that, that 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 Caleb, he wasn't even a native Israelite, but yet here he is joined with the nation of Israel and he's chosen to represent the tribe of Judah. So it's believed that somewhere uh, during the captivity, during their captivity there in Egypt, it's believed that his family joined themselves to the nation of Israel and specifically to the tribe of Judah. But I love that man, that within this whole tribe of, of Israelites in Judah, right, there's no n- native you know, Israelite to represent Judah But instead the Lord chooses this, this guy Who doesn't even, you know, belong to this tribe originally He's says, alright, you're going to represent that right? and, and, and I love that because Man, whenever uh, God is choosing a man to represent him You know, it's always like among the least likely Right, who would think among this huge group of thousands of Israelites And specifically thousands of the tribe of Judah Man, you would think there would be at least one native Israelite That can go represent the people but instead, God says, no, I'm going to choose this guy. Hey, man, he's not even an Israelite. He's a Kenizzite. God says, no, I'm going to choose Caleb. And we'll see later on because the Bible tells us that Caleb was a man of a different spirit. Right. And so interesting, uh, uh, Caleb represents Judah. And then it says there in verse 8, it says, from the tribe of Ephraim, it says, Hoshea, the son of Nun. Later on, uh, Moses is going is to change Hoshea's name to Joshua. Right. That, that name Hoshea in the Hebrew means salvation. And then Moses is going to change his name from Hoshea to Joshua, which in the Hebrew means Jehovah is our salvation. And so as we go through all these different names of the peoples, of, of, the, of the elders, of the spies who were sent out, it says this in verse 16, it says, These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea the son of Nun Joshua. And verse 17 says, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up into the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or whether they're weak, whether they're few, whether they're many, whether the land they dwell in is a good or a bad land, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or like strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now, the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. And so Moses is instructing these 12 spices that he's, he's going to send out into the promised land, to the land of Canaan. He's right. He says, look, go go check it out. Go see for yourself. Right? Now, interesting that Moses had no reason to do this because God had been promising him for years. Look, I'm going to bring you to this land. I'm going to cause you to inherit it. It's a land that flows that's flowing with milk and honey. It's a rich land with many pastures for all your flocks. Right? And so there, there, and Moses is saying, all right, go see for yourselves. Right? Interesting that uh, here in Numbers it tells us that the Lord said, told Moses to go send out the people but actually if you turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1 in the very first chapter of the book of Deuteronomy it actually gives us a little more insight on this on, on why they were sent out in the book, of, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1 I'll read it for you and it says this if I can find it it says this in the book of Deuteronomy beginning in verse 21 it says And I said to you, Moses speaking, he says, You have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God has given us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. And so we see that Moses was actually egging the people on. He's like, come on, guys, that's it. We're at the border of the land. Let's go inherit this land that God has promised us for so long. We're here at the very border of it. He says, it's ours. God has given it to us. And verse 21 says, look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. And the Lord, it says, as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you, do not fear and be discouraged. And verse 22 says, and every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way uh, by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come and then he says the plan pleased me well so I took 12 of your men one man from each tribe and so in Numbers it says that God instructed Moses to send out the spies but in Deuteronomy Moses says you know what it was actually the people He says it was you guys who wanted to send out 12 spies it wasn't God's idea right and Moses was like man alright God has given us a land let's go inherit it let's be strong let's be of good courage what are we waiting for and so we see that man again this disobedience is beginning to define the nation of Israel right this disobedience this hesitance and this complaining and so as they were supposed to stand on the promises of God, man, they've seen God work mightily in their lives. One, by bringing the 12 plagues around the, uh, among the, the, the Egyptians, right? He delivered them from Egypt. He, man, he made ways in the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea. He caused them to, to walk on dry land. The seas closed up on their enemies as soon as they walked over. God fed a man in the wilderness. He was a fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day. He gave them waters uh, in the desert, right? Miraculous, miraculously. He gave them bread to eat in the, in the wilderness. They have seen the hand of God move mightily in their lives. They had no reason to doubt God's promises for them. And yet, and them sending these 12 guys, they were saying, well, let's go. Let's send 12 guys first. Let's not all go up at once, but let's go send 12 guys first to see if it's true. And so we see, man, that they're beginning to doubt the promises of God. And really what they're doing is that they're doubting the nature of God. They're saying, man, God's not good. He wouldn't, he wouldn't give us all these things. Right, And so we see that this is the sin of the people. that begin to, They begin to doubt God's promises. They begin to uh, become unfaithful. They begin to complain. Right? And we see that this unbelief now is, is, is creeping in. And it's, and it's defining them. And so back to the book of Numbers. They're in uh, chapter 13 verse 21. It says, So they went up and they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. It says, Iman, uh, Seshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Enoch, were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zohan and I meaning It was a historic city. And verse 23 says, Then they came to the valley of Eschol and there they cut down a branch from one, with one cluster of grapes and they carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs and the place was called the valley of Eschol or uh, that word means cluster because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And verse 25 says, And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And so we see that they were sent out, right, at the request <clears> of the people, at the request of the multitude. They sent in 12 spies. All right, God has said he's going to give us this land that's flowing with milk and honey. There's, there's giants, there's enemies who, who indwell it. But you know what? God's going to give you the victory. Uh, go It's this flowing with milk and honey. It's rich. It's, it's good too. To, it, it, it's a good land. And so he said, all right, let's, before we go, right, let's not risk it all. Let's send 12 guys to go check it out first. They see these 12 guys, they see that there is, you know, some descendants of, of Anak there who are uh, uh, giants. But also they see that, that, that what God was true. Man, that the, that the grapes were huge, right? They brought in a huge cluster of grapes and they had to carry between a pole two men because it was so heavy, right? And so, man, we see that, that, it, that the report was true. And they were out there, they were spying the land for 40 days. Interesting that that number 40 uh, is, is, uh, is often associated with uh, testing, or, 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 or trying you're at trials and they're in, they're in the Bible. we see that it was for forty days and forty nights that it rained when, uh, when the Lord flooded the earth there would Noah. We see that Moses before he even entered into this position of leadership, we see that he was sent into the wilderness for forty years, right for forty years he was just a shepherd, he was being broken. He was a prideful man at the beginning of the book of Exodus and we see that he was you know the, the, the second in command of Pharaoh, he was next to the throne. And we see that, that he knew that God was going to deliver Israel. And he thought maybe it's going to happen through me because I'm in power. And he, took, he, he pretty much uh, took a step before the Lord. He tried to do things his own way. God had to crush him. Because he killed an Egyptian, he had, a, he had to flee to the desert where he was for 40 years. He went from being the second most powerful man in the whole world in Egypt to becoming a dirty shepherd for 40 years. Until he had no more carnal ambitions, he had no ambition of being a deliverer. He had no ambition of being anybody great. To the point that even when God says, "All right, I'm, I'm gonna use you to go speak to Pharaoh," he says, "Who am I? I can't even speak." He says, "I'm slow of tongue, right? I'm not learned." He says, "Send someone out. Send, send Aaron." All right. So for 40 years he was in the in the wilderness, you know, and God was breaking him. And then we see that for 40 years the nation of Israel is gonna be in the wilderness as well. We see that it was for. Forty days that that Jesus was tempted by Satan. There in the Gospel of Luke, we're told that he went up into the mountain to be led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted for forty days. And so we see that forty, right, is a number that's often associated with testing, right. And so as they were there scoping out the lamb for forty days, we say, man, God was testing their hearts. All right, now let's see if you're going to be faithful. Let's see if you're going to bring back like a good report. Let's see if you're going to be uh, truthful with what you with what you saw. And we see that the Lord often has to bring us to these places of testing you know, in our own personal lives. Right? Not, so that we could, not so that God can see what we're made of because He knows already. We're the ones that often think that we're mightier than, 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 than we think. Right? Or we think that we're something else that we're not. And God has to take that time of testing to show us, look man, you're not that big shot. You're not as strong as you thought. You're not as, you know, as competent. You're not as this or that or the other. And so we see for, for the believer that the, man, there is often a time of testing that the Lord will take you through. And so it goes on to say there, verse 26 says, Now they departed, and they came back to Moses and Aaron, and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. You can imagine, man, these people have been waiting for years. They've been about, they've been about uh, uh, 11 months, close to a year, in the wilderness already. But they've been waiting for these promises all the way since Abraham. More than they were in, in Egypt for 400 years so man, this promise goes back like some 800 years. They've been waiting for this day. You can imagine the multitudes of the people, millions of Israelites. All right, they're coming back. They're coming back. We see them, man, look at those graves. They'd be excited. All right, this is going to be the day everyone's spirits are up. Everyone's, our hopes are up. Everyone's got their, their bags packed, right? They got the kids in the car, All right? Let's see, we're going into the promised land. They're ready to inherit what God has given them. And so as they come back, notice what it says there in verse 27. It says, Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us, and it says, truly it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Man, you can imagine the people are probably cheering on their spirits. are like, way up here right now. Right? They're excited. God, it was true. It was true. It says, nevertheless, in verse 28, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. And they're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell there also in the south, in the land of the south. And the Hittites. The Jebusites, and also the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, all along the banks of the Jordan. And so what are they doing, man, as they bring back this report? They're like, look, what you said about it was true. It is a blessed land, right? There's fruit. It's, it's, it's a great land. But our enemies are there. And what they're doing is that, man, they're discouraging the people from walking in the promises of God. Right, we talked about it a couple, cha- a couple of chapters ago, man, complaining. Right? So contagious. Like man, you you don't you want a good conversation starter? Start complaining about something. Hey, the weather. Hey, this. Hey, that. The traffic. Man, all of a sudden you're someone's best friend, right? Because that's something that we all have in common. Start a conversation by complaining, and boom, all of a sudden hey, it breaks the ice, right? Complaining, it's contagious. It's contagious, and so is discouragement. And so as we see that that uh that they bring back the word, they say, Lord, the people's spirits are up. It was true what you said, but also man, the people who dwell there are strong. And he goes on to name every single one of these people groups who are yeah they were mightier than them they weren't lying that wasn't a lie but what they were uh, not what they were overlooking is that man God is mightier than every single one of those people groups and God had already promised him that he was going to cause them to inherit the land and so in their eyes it should have been man no matter how big and strong the people are no matter how strong and fortified the cities are God has promised it to us we don't know how he's going to do it but he's going to give us that land because he promised he would and God is not a liar and so then notice what Caleb says Verse 30, as all these people are giving him the bad report, it says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and says, And he said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Man, I love Caleb. I love his heart. I love this man with vision. Right? He wasn't, he, he knew, he wasn't, he knows that. He didn't say, Hey, they're lying, man. Those people aren't there. He didn't say, They're lying. They're not strong. He didn't say, They're lying. The, 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 the walls aren't that high. No, he didn't deny that. But what he was banking on was the promises of God. He said, look, let us go up at once and put, take possession for we are well, over, well, well able to overcome it. Why? Because Caleb knew that God had promised him that this land was theirs. And that's what Caleb was standing on. Not on his own strength, not on what he saw, but on the promises and the word of God. And he says this in verse 31. It says, but the man, it says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against his people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Man, these people are huge. In verse 33, There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, who come from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so it says, So we were in their sight. Man, notice that. Again, all of a sudden, this discouragement comes in, right? There's one man who, 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 who stands up. He says, no. He says, even so, right? We're going to believe God. Even so, we're going to take up His promises. Even so, we're going to walk in what He's given us, all right? And as believers, man, this is a great encouragement for us because oftentimes uh, there's this like association in the Bible between the promised land and uh, the spirit-filled life of the believer. Right? And just like God uh, took Moses out of Egypt to bring him into the Promised Land, or they took the took the, the nation of Israel out of Egypt to bring him into the Promised Land, you know, so often the Egypt is associated with and likened to the world, right? And this Promised Land is is likened to this just spirit-filled life of the believer, right? This deep, these deep uh, uh, relationship that God is trying to to bring us into, right? And so we see that. As God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt, brought them into the promised land, man, we know that it wasn't without difficulty. There were giants, the walls were, were strong, the walls were high, man, they were going to do battle, they were going to, you know, it was going to cost them a little bit. And for us too, man, as believers, man, the Lord takes us out of the world, right? He calls us out of the world, He saves us, He washes us, and we see that as we, as we desire to just go deeper in our walks with the Lord. We see that it doesn't come up without opposition. Right? Oftentimes, man, we're opposed by, man, we see these giants in our own life. As we desire to go deeper with the, with the Lord in our relationship, we see that, man, like there's these strong walls that are just keeping you from going deeper with the Lord. Right? But that, that doesn't mean that, all right, but we back off and say, Oh, you know what? it's too hard. No, man, like Caleb, it's, he's an encouragement to believers, man, because as we're desiring to go deeper in our relationships with the Lord, and these obstacles come, these these huge walls, these fortified walls, these giants of trials that come to our life, man, we stand on God's promises. Right? That He promised to bring us, He promised to give us this. And so Again as the men who had gotten up In verse 31 it says With them said We're not able to go He says man Caleb says we can do it These guys say No we can't He says they're stronger than us He says the people Are stronger than us it says and They gave the children of Israel A bad report I Meaning man They're not believing God Right It's not that they didn't believe Caleb They, didn't, they saw it with their own eyes Is that they don't believe The Lord That's what they're doing That's what they're saying And they gave the children of Israel A bad report of the land And he says no man The land that we went through that says it devours its inhabitants what are they saying? by saying that man they're questioning God and they're saying God lied God said it was a land of flowing of milk and honey he said it was a fruitful land he said it was a blessed land we, we, he was going to bless us but no the land devours its inhabitants when we go there we're going to be eaten up man imagine being that stumbling block in someone else's life as they're designed to come to the promises of God as they're designed to walk with the Lord, you're like hey you know what dude it's hard man become a Christian you're going to get hit with trials you know, just don't even this or whatever, man. Imagine being that stumbling block in someone's life. That's heavy. Because Jesus said this about that. He says, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for him uh, that a millstone, I mean, a huge boulder would be tied around his neck and he'd be thrown into the deepest parts of the ocean than for him to stumble one of these little ones. Right? And that means stumbling him coming to me. And so we see, man, what discourage, like how severe it is, you know, to discourage another believer as they're walking with the Lord. Right? Paul encourages us there in the New Testament, man, that our words would be words of edification. All right? and, 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 and upbuilding, uplifting. As believers, man, sometimes, especially us as men, we get into, you know, we start talking and we start kind of just, you know, giving each other a hard time and start kind of bagging on each other. And, 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 you know, and well, we're men and we could take it. But you know what? Sometimes we, we don't know when to stop and we get to the point where instead of encouraging, lifting up a brother, man, you, you just put him down. You put him down, you know, instead of building him up in his walk, it's like, you, know, what, are you what are you telling him? You know, that's uplifting him in his walk. That's going to draw him closer to Jesus. Right? And so, again, they say, there we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. I Meaning, man, we're tiny in, in their sight. And Northwest says in there in chapter 14, he goes on to say, it says, so all the congregation lifted up their voices, and they cried. And they were up here, and now they're down here. Right? They were encouraged to go in, they were waiting anxiously, they were seeing the fruits, they were happy to go in, and all of a sudden, now it says they're crying, they're weeping. And all people wept that night, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. What are they saying? They're saying, man, you know, we're better off dead. We're better off dead than trusting the promises of God. We're better off dead than walking into this land that God has promised to give us from, man, centuries back. That's what they're saying. We're better off dead. It says, why, verse 3, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Notice what they're saying about God, right? It says, why has the Lord brought us to the land to, to, fall, to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? But man, they're saying, look, we're better off as slaves in Egypt. We're better off as, you know, as as workers there in Egypt. We're better off, you know, as as slaves having these task masters masters over us. We're better off than out here walking in the beautiful promises of God. That's what they're saying. And what they're doing is they're questioning God's character. They're saying, man, God brought us to this land to fall by the sword. I Meaning He He brought us out here to kill us. He says, and He says, and He brought us out here so that our wives and our kids you know, should become victims. That's what he's saying of God, man. They're, they're they're questioning God's character. Interesting that, man, really, it's Satan, right? This is like demonically inspired because we see the first ever charge against God there in the garden in Genesis chapter two. We see that the first ever charge against God wasn't by Adam, wasn't by Eve, but it was by Satan, right? And, and the serpent told Eve, has God really said you should have needed this tree? He says, yeah, we should have needed it or else we're gonna die. And then this is what the serpent said. This is what Satan said. He says, God doesn't want you to eat of this tree because he knows that the moment you eat of it, you're going to become like him. And so Satan caused Eve to question God's goodness. God is just trying to keep this good thing from you. right? And notice this is what the people are doing. They're questioning God's goodness. They're questioning God's character. See, look, God didn't bring us out here to bless us. He brought us out here to kill us. He brought us out here so that our kids and our wives could be victims here in the wilderness. He says, It would have been better for us to return to Egypt. Notice that, man. Imagine a believer saying, you know what? I wish I was never saved. I wish God never got a hold of my heart. I wish God never did all these beautiful things for myself, for my family, for my salvation. I wish God never gave me eternal life. I wish he would have never forgiven me of all my sins. Man, that's equivalent to that. They're saying, you know what? It would have been better for me to be in the world, to be in Egypt, a slave to Egypt, than a recipient of God's grace. That's what he's saying. It was better for us to be slaves in Egypt than a recipient of God's grace. And it says this in verse 5, it says, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. You can imagine, man, the burden that was on their shoulders. Millions of people, they're looking to these guys and they're complaining. They say, man, why'd you bring us out here? Why'd you listen to God? It was better for us to be out there. What can they do but just fall on their faces? You know, in despair. They fall on their faces. It says, before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua... No, it says, verse 6. But Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephnah, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. I mean, they're showing this, this, uh, this grief, right? They're showing this, this this pain. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out, it's an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, then He'll bring us into it. Right? He'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. I mean, man, we're gonna eat those guys up. Mm-hmm. They're our bread, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Notice what, they, what he's recognized, he's like, He's like, Oh, no, man, you know what? Yeah, they're huge, yeah, they're big, yeah, they're giants, but you know what? They're our bread, they're, we're, they're our breakfast. We're gonna eat these guys for breakfast, he's saying, All right? They're, they're, they're gonna be our meal. But notice what he says, he says, Only don't rebel against the Lord. That's exactly what's going on in their hearts, that they were rebelling against the Lord. He says, Nor fear the people of the land. They were fearing the people instead of fearing God. That's what it was. They feared men more than they feared God. And man, as believers, we could fall into that same trap. I fear man more than I fear God. I think I care more about what man thinks about me than what God thinks about me. Right? I don't act like a Christian around my homies or whatever because I care more about what you think about me than what God thinks about me. And I, man, my response to that was if you care so much about what men think about you then serve men But I'm gonna serve the Lord and so you see these guys they rise up they tell everyone, you know what hey no let's don't fear man don't fear these guys you know, let's, let's trust in the Lord man. he's giving us these guys for breakfast he says that the Lord delights in us and he'll bring us into this land and he'll give it to us but notice what, what he says also really interesting he says their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us he says, so don't fear them you know, hey man God's on our side Hey, if God is for us, who could be against us? The Bible says, right? Man, you plus God equals psh, the biggest number. You're the biggest army. It's you plus God. It doesn't matter who's on that side. It doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter how many people are coming up against you, right? You plus God equals victory. Right, man, you have God on your side. You have God on your side. But he says, look, their protection has departed from them. Interesting, man. Somebody who could bring up the, the question and say, man, well, then they could question God's Kindness and God's goodness and God's character, and say it's not fair that God is bringing the nation of Israel to inherit this land where there's people already living there, right? And He's going to kill all these people that are living there just to give it to the nation of Israel. That's not fair. How's that a fair God? How's that a good God? Right? That that seems unfair. But really, we see by, by what Joshua and Caleb said. We see that, there, that God had been protecting them also This whole time God had been protecting the Canaanites The Jebusites The Hittites The amorites All these different people God had been protecting them And for this whole time Man, they had heard about the Lord God Almighty They had heard about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob They had heard about the God who flooded the earth right? They had heard about the God of Noah The God of Enoch all these, you know, all these different men of the Bible So we see that this whole time That God was, was a delaying, delaying judgment it was, He was extending grace Right. He was giving them an opportunity to repent also and to come to him. But the people of the land historically were, and this is historical proof, man. They found inscriptions, hieroglyphics, all these different you know, uh, tools, even their little idols that, uh, from the Canaanites. They found, they, they found uh, spearheads that date back to Canaanite time. And so the people of that time were so, uh, they were so ingrained in idolatry and wickedness that, yeah, man, they were just they were dying off. Some of the things that they were doing is that they were worshiping their gods, Molech and Baal. They would, uh, sacri- they would sacrifice their own babies, right? They would worship this god, Molech and Baal, at their temple with temple prostitutes. So the men and women would go over there. They would have sexual intercourse as a form of worship to the false gods. When the woman would become pregnant, they would, they would sacrifice their, their baby to this little molden, uh, molden idol, Baal. They would heat it up and they would put the baby on its arms. Man, the people were awake. And this whole time God is letting them live Right, to extend mercy, to extend grace, to give them an opportunity to come and, to come and repent. But now, right, the time of, of mercy is over. The time of grace is over. And now, all right, he's going to judge them as well and he's going to use the nation of Israel to do so as they inherit the land. And so we see that even them not going into the land right away, it's like God giving the people around them another 40 years. So, all right, look. And you see that I'm out here. You see him out here with you. You see this pillar of fire, this pillar of cloud. You, you hear about all the great miracles I did in Egypt. He's giving them even more time to repent. But Joshua and Caleb said, "Look, their protection has 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 gone for them; has departed from them." Now, verse 10 says, "And all the congregation said to the, said to stone them with stones." Instead of saying, "Ah, you know what? They're right." Instead of saying, "No, let's kill these guys." They wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb for being so uh, optimistic, They're saying, "You know what? No, nah, let's just believe in God." It says that all the congregation said to stone them with stones. And now, the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children. Israel. Notice that, man, God wasn't going to let these guys get stoned to death because they're the only ones who were trusting in him. They're the only ones who were who uh, encouraging the people. They're the only ones who were believing his promises. So notice that God didn't show up when Moses and Aaron were getting accused and when they found their faces, but God showed up when uh, Joshua and Caleb were about to be stoned to death. We're told that the glory of the Lord appeared there in the tabernacle. I mean, everybody would have noticed and would have stopped what they were doing and looked. It says, and he appeared before all the children of Israel. And verse 11 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? That's what they were doing, man. They were rejecting the Lord. He says, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them. I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you. Speaking of Moses, he says, Moses, you know, alright, I'm done with these people. Right? How long are they going to harden their hearts? You know what, Moses? I will make of you. A great nation, says a greater and mightier than them. Yeah, if I was Moses. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'll take it. Cool, I'll become, you know, the new Abraham. I'll become, make a mighty nation out of me. All right, you're right, Lord. These people, man, they're hard-headed, right? They don't get it. And so God is telling Moses, look, man, I'm not gonna deal with these guys anymore. I'm gonna make a great nation out of you. And Moses said to the Lord, says the Egyptians will hear of it, for by your might says, you brought these people up from among them. Notice Moses responding and say, all right, Lord, just do it. No, but he's reminding God. And he's not that he's reminding God, but he's pointing it out. God doesn't need to be reminded. He says, yours says the Egyptians will hear of it. For by your might, you brought these people up from among them and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord... Are among these people. And that you, Lord, are seen face to face. And that your cloud stands above them. And that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill these people as one man. It says, then the nations will have heard of your fame. And they'll speak saying, because the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land. Which he swore to give them. Therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And so notice what Moses is doing. He's saying, Lord, for your name's sake. Right? Nine times he mentions you, you or your. He says, Lord, he says it's by your might. He says, you brought the people. He says, it's you, Lord. They heard that you, Lord, you know, are among them. That you, Lord, are seen face to face. That your cloud to be formed. That you go before him, And that if you kill these people, right, then your thing will go. So he's saying, Lord, it's not about them. It's not even about me. Lord, it's about you. I like that. Because Moses is petitioning God, not on the basis of the goodness of the people or not on the basis of his own goodness but he's petitioning God on the basis of the goodness of God he's saying God because of you he says Lord for your namesake man that's a good prayer that's a good basis of prayer to have right we pray for different things and we could you know have all kinds of different motives for praying Lord you know I've been serving you faithfully or Lord you know this or you know the other but it's man all this stuff is vain but instead, Lord, so that your name wouldn't be profaned, Lord, so that your name would, would be glorified. Lord, so that your name would be recognized in this situation. I pray that this is that and the other. Right? So that's what Moses is doing. He's petitioning God on behalf of the goodness of God. And on behalf of... To kill him? Not to kill him. He said, don't kill him. And he says this... And verse 16, he says, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to. He say, man, the people are going to begin to say this if they, if, they, if they hear that you killed them all. He says, they're going to begin to say, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, quote, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving, iniquity, and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. He says, pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt, even until now. And so Moses is saying, Lord, forgive these people. Not because they deserve it. Not because they've been so good. Not because they've been so faithful and so truthful and so loyal. But Lord, according to the greatness of your mercy. And that's a good that's how good basis to stand on, according to the greatness of His mercy. Because if it wasn't for His mercy, if it wasn't for His grace, man, we won't, we're not deserving of anything. Right? But God blesses us. God is with us, man. God is, does all these things for us, not because of us, man, but because of Him. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's mercy, turn His grace, turn His love. Man, it doesn't matter how faithful I am here, right? God's not going to love you more than someone else who doesn't do anything for Him. I, we're saved by faith and we've come to the Lord uh, by, by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Man, he already loves us with everything he could ever love us with. Right? We can't, I can't do anything to earn his love, to earn my salvation, to earn my righteousness, to earn you know, my, my right standing with God. No, but it's by his mercy. Right? Mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. And so Moses says, Lord, according to the greatness of your mercy. Right? He says, forgive these people. Right? Not because they did anything, but because, Lord, you're just, you're great in mercy. Right? You're, a good, you're a God who desires to forgive, and that's who God is. There in the book of Lamentations, uh, Lamentations 3.23 23, around that, that address, uh, as Jeremiah is, is kind of just pouring out his heart, he says, Because of the Lord's mercy, we're not consumed. He says, because his uh, mercies fail not. They're new every morning. Because of the Lord's mercy, we're not consumed. Right? Because his mercies fail not. They're new every morning. Man, every morning we, we could wake up knowing, Man, I blew it last night. But you know what? Today, God's mercies are new for me. Today, man, I'd like to say, today is the first day of the rest of my life, right? God's mercies are great for me today. No matter what I did yesterday. You know what? I got to start over. Lord, just help me to be faithful today. Lord, help me to walk in your mercies today. Lord, help me to walk in your grace. Lord, help me to glorify you today, right? Today is a new day. And so it goes on to say there in verse 20, it says, Then the Lord, the Lord said, I have pardoned. Man, I that. Notice that God, didn't, that God didn't argue with Moses. But come on, Moses. You've seen these people. You've dealt with them. You know their hearts. And you've been with them for a year. Right? No. He says, the Lord pardoned. He says, I have pardoned. According to your word. Man, notice that. According to Moses' prayer. God pardoned them. Now we see the power in prayer. The power in standing in the gap for someone else. I believe it's in the book of Ezekiel. That God speaks to Ezekiel the prophet. And he says, I sought for a man to stand in the gap. He says, but I found none. You know, meaning God was seeking for a man to stand in the gap between God and the people and petition on behalf of the people to God. He says, but I found none. He says, none faithful, right? But we see the power of prayer, man, the power of standing on the gap on behalf of someone else. Saying, Lord, your mercy. But he says, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And I say amen to that. says, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test. Now these 10 times I have not heeded my voice. They clearly, they they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, says, and has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit. it Notice that. Man, the difference, right? So we see that God says, look, man, these people saw my greatness in Egypt. They saw it in the wilderness, right? They've seen uh, all all my glory. They've seen my signs. They've seen everything I did for them, and they rejected me. That's heavy. God isn't saying, all right, well, you know what? You have just blew it too many times. No, it's huge. They saw God's glory face to face. They saw the glory of the Lord descending on the mountain. They heard his voice. they They seen what he did for them in Egypt and in the wilderness. It's big, right? They, uh, we're held accountable to more because they knew more same with us as we grow in the word as we grow in knowledge you know what we're held accountable for more because we know more we can't play the well, I don't know right we, the, we can't play ignorance now because we know too much God's gonna say man we, you can't use that I know you know right and so the more we know man the more we are held accountable for and to and it shouldn't be a fearful thing right it should be a good thing that we embrace the Lord I knew I know I know, Lord. I know which way to walk. I know how to do this. I know how to act. I know where to go. I right? should be something that we embrace. But because, man, uh, we're, we know more, we're, we're responsible for more. And so it says, but my servant Caleb, man, Caleb, six times it said in the Bible about Caleb that he wholly followed the Lord his God. Six times that he wholly followed the Lord his God. Not much else is said about him. We have the story about him here in Numbers. He's brought up again in Deuteronomy. He's mentioned in Joshua. And then he's just made reference to, you know, in, in other books. Maybe something like 30 times. But it's all pointing to the same situation here. Not as much is said about him. He doesn't have a book written about him. He doesn't, he's not mentioned, you know, in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith. He's not, I mean, that's it. But he's forever going to be remembered as a man who wholly followed the Lord his God. Man, that's how I want to be remembered. Mm-hmm. When I die and there's my, um, what do you call those things. Right, e- epitaph. What tombstone. the tombstone? But it's like a, the epitaph. Is that a word? Anyway, the, the the writing on the tombstone. Right, man. I pray to God that it yeah. could say he wholly followed the Lord, his God. Mm-hmm. And I pray that I could see that truthfully. Right, this man Caleb, mm-hmm. for the rest of his life. Look, we're reading about him, and you know, some thousands of years later, and he's still known as a man who wholly followed the Lord, your, his God. Man, what are you going to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? What are your kids going to say about you? What's that legacy you're going to leave behind? What are your grandkids going to say about you if the Lord tarries and he doesn't come back then? What are they going to say about me? Right? If they have a picture of me there and then somewhere in the table, whatever, hey, your grandpa this or your dad this, what are they going to say about me? I hope that they can say, man, he was a man who wholly followed the Lord, his God. And so God says, because he has a different spirit in him, not that he was born different, not that he was, you know, supernaturally born or anything, but he just, man, you know, he was cut from a different cloth. You hear that term sometimes about guys or about people. They're just, they're cut from a different cloth, right? Yeah. They tend to go against the grain. They tend to go against the waves. They tend to go against the norm. They're just, they're just different. He said, that was Caleb, man. That was Joshua. He didn't sell, settle for uh, this, just a uh, mediocre, I will say, walk with the Lord, right? In our days, it wouldn't be a mediocre Christianity. He wasn't satisfied with just knowing God. He wanted to be faithful to God. He wanted to serve God. And it says, Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. He says, Tomorrow, turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. So what God say? He's like, Alright, that's it, man. Get out of the border of the promised land. Go back into the wilderness. That's it. You guys are, are going to go in there. He says, Because they all rejected, This whole generation is going to die, Except for Caleb and Joshua. He says, Now, get away from there. Right, you're too close to the promised land. Go back into the wilderness. And the Lord spoke to Moses, verse 26, and Aaron, saying, "How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complained against me? He says, I have heard the compl- the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Notice that man. God hears our complaints. God hears them, and say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness." All of you who are numbered according to your entire number, says from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephnah, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore, I would make you draw in. And so in the book of Joshua, uh, Caleb there in Joshua 14, mentions how at this very moment when they were sent in, he was 40 years old. And so uh, Caleb was 40 years old when this is taking place. And so notice that the Lord says, look, everyone of this generation who's 20 years old and above is not going to enter into the promised land. Except for Joshua and Caleb. Meaning that Caleb was going to enter the promised land somewhere around 80, year, uh, 80 years old. And there's going to be a lot of people who are his age, you know, who should have been alive. But because of their disobedience and disbelief, you know, they died prematurely. They had to die off before they could enter into the promised land because that whole generation had to be wiped out. I tell you, I tell you. You know, that instead of living out His fullest life with God And everything that God had for them Because they disobeyed and disbelieved, man Look, they didn't make it that, that far And so, he says, but your little ones Whom you said would be victims He says, I'm going to bring them in he says, and they shall know That the land which you have despised Notice that, they were saying oh, Man, God's bringing us in here So that our wives and kids could be victims And what does God say? He says, look, man Those kids that you said were going to be victims Of me He says, they're not going to be victims Instead, they're going to be Inheritors. I don't know how you say that word, right? But man, they're going to inherit these promises. They're not going to victims. They're not going to suffer any loss. Instead, man, they're going to see this promise. And I love that. I love what the Lord says, right? Man, our kids are going to see this. It says, I will bring them in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. Notice that. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years. And bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. He's saying, look, man, you, you rejected me. Now you're going to know my rejection. That's heavy. That's heavy. And he says, look, you're going to be in the wilderness for 40 years because you spied out the land for 40 years, meaning you saw my goodness for 40 years and rejected it, So you're going to wander for 40 years as I reject you. That's heavy. It is. There's no way around it. It's heavy. Man, I'm so glad that the Bible says that uh, whoever comes to the Lord will never be cast away. Right? This is, we're talking Old Testament. This is a physical, you know, going into the promised land. Right? But when it comes to salvation, man, I love that the Lord is faithful. And it says this in First or Second Timothy says, says, uh, even when we are faithless He says, He remains faithful because He cannot deny Himself. Mm-hmm. And God is faithful. And I'm so glad I don't have to walk on the eggshells or tippy-toe around God and, oh man, I, hope I don't mess up today because God's going to say, right, you're not saved anymore. Man, that's not God. Yeah. That's not God. You know, and I love that about the Lord, you know, that He remains faithful even when we lack faith. But in this case, when it came to inheriting a physical, tangible land, He says, look, you're not going to see it. Right? You're not going to see it. And it goes on to say, there in um, verse 40 or 35, it says, I, the Lord, have spoken. It says, I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me in this wilderness, and they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land, died by the plague before the Lord. Notice that. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. At that very moment, man, they, they, they knew, you know what? They were right. So when those, those 10 that came back and gave their bad report, they died immediately because of a plague. The rest of the people, they had to walk for 40 years and, and for 40 years, they're going to know, they're going to look at Joshua and Caleb as a reminder, man, they were right. They were right. God is good. God did promise those things. You know, he didn't lie. For 40 years, they're going to look at these guys and say, man, they're evidence of God's goodness, right? They brought back the good report, but we didn't listen. this says, then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, here we are, and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. Man, notice this. God already told them, you're not going to inherit it, that's it. You're going to wander for 40 years. He gave the command. He gave the order out. The gavels hit the table. That's it. You're not going to go in get used to this. You know, get used to this wilderness because you're going to be here for 40 years. you already gave give the order. And notice, the next morning, what do these guys do? It says that the, uh, they all rose early in the morning and they went up to the top of the mountain saying, All right, we're ready now. Here we are. We'll go up to the place which the Lord has promised. For we have sinned." saying, All right, Lord, we messed up. But we're, we're for this time. Well, we're ready now. Hey man, God already said that's it, man. He already judged you. Right? But they're saying, All right, you know what? We believe we believe you now. After he had the had already, after these guys already died, and after you know the judgment was given. And notice it says, And Moses said, Now, why do you transgress the command of the Lord? First you're unbelieving, first you hardened your heart, first you, you, you rejected God, and now you're transgressing, you're sinning against God's command, and he said, Look, you're not gonna inherit it. Now you're sinning against that. You don't get it. He said, Man, you don't get it. He says, Why do you transgress the command of the Lord? He says, for this will not succeed. He says, Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. Right? They went in the first time, and God says, I'm going to cause your enemies to to, to to flee before you. I'm going to cause you to inherit this land. Even though these, these people groups are there, these enemies are there. And now, that, that after they were been judged, they go up a second time, and Moses says, Look man, God's not with you anymore. You're going to go up, and these people are still there, but God, the only difference is that God's not with you. Right? And we see that, man, for us as believers And even just for them too We're going to face these different things in the, earth, in, in, in the world right? And sometimes we go through trials We go through difficulties And man, the non-believer goes through The same difficulties as a believer right? Sometimes we think, oh man, the grass looks greener on the other side And I feel like my life was better you know, Before walking with the Lord There's a saying that's thrown out there Or this thought that's thrown out there that As soon as you become a Christian, you get hit with trials right? And you know what? You're going to go through trials no matter what I mean, no one has promised this porcelain, porcelain life, right? That we're just going to be good at, at all times. But the only difference is that, look, when, we, when we're not saved, we're, we're facing these giants on our own behalf. When we are saved, man, look, the Lord is going before us in these days, right? Fighting for us. And so he says, look, don't go up. He says, don't do this. Lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites, verse 43, and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword. Because you have turned away from the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountain. They're saying, you know what? We're going to try it anyways. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp, meaning that, man, God's presence wasn't with them and God's man wasn't with them. So says, you guys are on your own, right? You're not backed by the Lord. Nevertheless, I'm oh, sorry. Verse 45 says, then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwell on that mountain came down and attacked them, and they drove them back as far as Horma. Man, what's going on? Right, they go in there, they try, to, they try to inherit what God had promised them, but without God. And instead, they were defeated. Right? You see, there's a lot of people like that sometimes that. Man, I want God's promises, but I don't want God. I want the good things. Right? I want salvation. I want forgiveness. I want to have a blessed, abundant life. But I don't, wanna, I don't want the cross that comes with it. I don't want the Jesus that comes with it. I don't want the Christ that comes with it with it, I don't want the relationship with God that comes with it I want the blessings, I want the benefits I like the good inspirational quotes in the Bible right? I like the good Psalms. I like the way it makes me feel, but you know what, I don't want the Christ, the Jesus that's attached to it and they try to face life in this manner and they feel miserably, why? because the power isn't just in the words, man, but it's in the God of the words, the power isn't in the promise but it's in the God of the promises and so we see, man these people, they went in there, but God wasn't with them, right? Their presence wasn't with them. And so instead, man, they were defeated. And so for 40 years, they were going to know, man, you know, we could have done it with God, but we rejected Him. That's heavy, you, yeah. We'll stop right there now. Chapter 15 is really, really.